Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to the Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor Study. Today's program is going to be just a little bit different. Actually, it's going to be part one of two parts, so next week you'll be seeing part two of this show. Pastor Brock recently went to a conference out of state, and Pastor Brock, wasn't that conference about helping people out of homosexual behavior? Yes, it was a conference of uh, psychologists, and these are psychologists who believe you can actually help people away from that behavior for their own health and well-being. But Jackie, I'll tell our, our viewers this, this group of psychologists is hated by the militant homosexuals. In fact, we had protesters out in front and, you know, uh, you know, some people claim that these people are haters because they help people out of homosexuality. And Jackie, let, let's talk about how evil our country has become. Let's say you're a 16-year-old boy with unwanted same-sex attraction and you want to get some help, go to some psychologist to help you get over this, the states of California and New Jersey have banned you now from getting help. That's evil. And so I went to this group, these psychologists, who help people out of homosexual behavior. They're wonderful people and they're just trying to save people's lives because homosexual behavior is unhealthy, bi biologically unhealthy. Well, Pastor Brock, you've shared some the fact that same-sex attraction has been a struggle for you. Yes, it has. And the video we're going to be seeing is going to talk about this. Yes. And when we see the first part of this video, I'm going to ask you, do people ever totally get free from this, or is it always going yep. to be a struggle for so someone? Yep. And but first, Yeah, and if I, if I could just say, we're going to watch this for about 15 minutes, or we're going to come back and talk about my struggle. But what you're going to see now, listen carefully, you're not going to see this on Ellen. You're not going to see this on the NBC uh, evening news. You're going to see a point of view that used to be held widely in this country. You never hear it in our liberal media anymore. So listen carefully. Can we roll the film? We condemn violence against any person based on sexual orientation and gender identity, and we promote compassion and support for individuals who struggle with same-sex attraction. This documentary was created out of great love and concern for those who struggle with same-sex attraction. You're about to hear personal stories, testimonies of experts, and summaries of the research on homosexuality. During those experiences, it was quite, you know, I would say, I thought I was happy because it was all that satisfaction, those needs being met right in an instant in a very powerful way. The next day, I would be empty and depressed. I started getting involved with other men sexually on a sexual basis. It involved going online um, and uh, basically hooking up with people, people I didn't know, random sexual acts. 
I first got involved in my, in my early 20s uh, by, by cruising parks and bars. I felt lost I did, and without direction and without meaning. At around 19 or maybe 20, I had started having my first uh, homosexual uh, experiences. Many homosexuals did not choose to have the homosexual feelings they have felt, sometimes beginning at a very young age. So what causes these feelings of attraction for a person of the same sex? Since this documentary will focus on issues surrounding male homosexuality, let's hear from experts and homosexual men themselves about some of the possible contributing factors. Dr. Joseph Nicolosi, an internationally renowned clinical psychologist and author of numerous books and publications on helping individuals overcome unwanted same-sex attraction explains. There's no conclusive evidence that it's biologically or genetically predetermined. In fact, there's much more evidence for early childhood uh, factors, especially the relationship with the parents, as determining the sexual orientation. Dr. Dean Bird psychotherapist and professor and author of over 100 publications on human sexuality, including books and articles in peer-reviewed scientific journals, explains. Let me tell you what the American Psychological Association says. For a long time, they led its members to believe that homosexuality was biologically determined. Uh, in 2008, they changed that position. Uh, they now say that it's some combination of nature and nurture and that it's more complex than they um, have historically led us to believe. To help us better understand same-sex attraction, Floyd Godfrey, a professional counselor and the author of a new book, A Young Man's Journey, Healing for Young Men with Unwanted Homosexual Feelings, will share what he has learned working with over 900 individuals with unwanted same-sex attraction. To begin with, Floyd gives us this simple definition. I think when you, when you look at the research, the easiest way to understand homosexual feelings would, would be by the definition that it's the sexualization of emotional needs and wounds. There are a variety of different contributing factors toward the development of a homosexual orientation. Not everyone may have every single one of those contributing factors. They may have some and not others. When people say that um, people are born gay, I think it's a cop-out. I wasn't born gay. I was sexually abused. I was brought into this. That's my story. One of the most common contributing factors for them would be a wounded sense of, of gender identity or wounded masculinity. And they've struggled with their sense of self-esteem. Growing up through adolescence, I always felt rejected from all the male peers around me. I was always the outcast. Same-sex attraction appears or comes to the surface when I feel inferior, when I don't feel manly enough, when I don't feel masculine enough. Acting out on same-sex attraction is nothing more than chasing this kind of male identity. A lot of what I was thinking about um, was, you know, wow, he has a really nice body, I really like that body, you know, I wish I could have that envy and jealousy going on there, thinking about it far too much. Then, around 11, 12 years old, because he has this alienation and this longing for male connection, that emotional 
desire becomes eroticized. So now we go from attachment problem to gender problem to sexual problem. Now it's becoming a sexual problem. If there's bullying that's gone on, a boy will detach. He doesn't feel safe with other boys. He doesn't feel safe with other men. He detaches when he ought to be attaching, connecting with other boys and men. I think one of the most important things was my overly critical older brother. He was three years older than me, and he just criticized everything I did, how I walked, how I talked, everything. So I was so self-conscious that I had very low self-esteem because of that. He has always been an oppressing kind of brother. Uh, he was always bigger than me, and he was always stronger than me, and, um, and he was always uh, teasing me at home. I remember being teased that I wasn't um, running as fast or kicking as well as the other boys that were my same age. It hurt, and so I started to not play those sports as much. Looking back, I realized all boys do that, and that's kind of one of their ways of bonding is bantering a little bit. And uh, I see it now in, in the ways that mostly brothers interact. The boys often feel disconnected from their father could be because dad was absent, he just wasn't around, he was forced to work. It could be personality differences. Dad has different interests than the son. Uh, it could be that uh, father was abusive. Uh, doesn't necessarily matter why. If the, fa if the son is left hungry for the bonding and connection he's not getting, uh, the, that feeling just doesn't, just doesn't disappear. It, it continues. To parents who have children with same-sex attraction, this does not mean that you are the cause of your child's same-sex attraction. Dr. Julie Heron-Hamilton, past president of the National Association for Research and Therapy of Homosexuality, a professor and licensed marriage and family therapist, explains the importance of a child's perception of their experiences. Now let me say a word about perceptions. Perceptions are everything. How um, it's not so much what happens to us that matters as how we perceive what happens to us. So if a boy does not perceive that his father wants that relationship and is safe and welcoming, then he's going to have difficulty connecting with him. Usually the temperament of a child who will go on to have same-sex attractions is that he's sensitive, so he's taking things to heart that happened to him. He might be taking things personally, even if they're not meant personally. I know he loved me deeply, but... He was an alcoholic, which made it very difficult to communicate with him. I always felt very weak and very small in his presence. Whenever I had something uh, that I was, uh, let's say, proud of, I always felt that uh, it is still not enough. You should still do something better. Growing up, I felt very disconnected from him. And my mom was also extremely critical of my father. She didn't approve of a lot of things he did, including his drinking. And so she talked him down to me. So I, I lost respect for him, and I clung to my mom. So sometimes <coughs> the boys are confused in relationship with their mother. Uh, mother might be very domineering, might be very controlling or smothering with a boy, leaving him then either overly connected to mom or feeling smothered by mom, not having the opportunity to connect with dad. In some instances, we've seen a mother who is domineering over his father and leaving the boy feeling as though men are weak, men are insufficient. My mother was a very strong-willed, class A personality that was always, you know, I'm in charge, this is what's gonna happen, it's gonna be done my way. It made me feel as if 
the father took a back seat to the mother, and the father has no say whatsoever in it. At the same time with my mother, my relation was very close, uh, sometimes even too close, very emotional after their divorce. I had a wonderful relationship with my parents, my parents are wonderful people. Um, I, can't, I can't say no as any, like a lot of people want to say it's a father issue, for me it wasn't. Many of the boys have also been sexually abused or, or touched inappropriately. And the other extreme to that scale uh, that we see is that some of the boys have never been touched at all, so they're left without healthy connection without healthy touch, without the hugs and the warmth that they have often needed and they're actually very hungry for connection, which often makes them vulnerable. The time when I first was abused and I was two years old, I don't remember it at all. I remember because my sister has told me that it happened. Did that affect my life? You better believe it did. And some people say, well, it's, you're born that way. Sometimes you're not even going to remember what happened to you at such an early age. You just don't know. When I was about five or six years old, um, someone, uh, a male, uh, molested me. My first actual feelings I can remember of same-sex attraction began when I was about 12 years old when I was uh, sexually molested by a next-door neighbor person at that age. I happened to be someone who I looked up to, someone who I admired. That was really what shaped me down this path. Pornography actually for many of the men, I would say more of 75 percent of them who struggle have either seen pornography or have been addicted to pornography. Uh, I see pornography as reinforcing some of the imagery that might come along with homosexual feelings. Uh, some of the young men have reported to me that their introduction to pornography actually introduced thoughts and feelings that weren't there before. A very strong addiction developed very soon uh, in my, during my adolescence towards pornography. I ended up getting involved with pornography. Um, it became a medication tool for me to kind of medicate how I was feeling and dealing with it at the time. I viewed pornography quite extensively. Deep down inside, I had always wanted help. I had always wanted to be straight. I would spent the entire day online trying to find someone to hook up with, and when no one met my expectations of what I wanted for someone to hook up with, I just finally laid down in bed and I just started bawling my eyes out. And I said, God, I don't even know if you even exist anymore, but I need help. I don't know what I'm doing. I need some serious help. My motivation for seeking therapy was that the lifestyle has caused me a lot of pain and unhappiness in my life. The attraction was somehow stronger than my, than my will or my determination. I, um, I felt bad. I felt empty. The clients I have that come to my office are all claiming unwanted same-sex attraction and also that they don't, they don't feel like that's who they are. Particularly for me, I needed to have a therapist who could walk me through uh, my whole process, what I would need to do to be able to resolve all of the issues that I had growing up. Through therapy, I began to understand the whys of, of same-sex attraction. And once I understood those, the walls came tumbling down. And I began to understand and appreciate the opposite sex. And those attractions rebounded after being squashed by my same-sex attraction for so many years. And through all this work, which is oftentimes very, very tough, it's not easy. I've definitely made a lot of progress. I've definitely still made mistakes along the way, but my life is now so much better because of it. As soon as I started getting those needs met, the shift started happening. Once the client develops a sense of, of what's caused some of his homosexual feelings, uh, many times they, they'll describe a lack of connection with other men. 
the, a strong need that's never been satisfied for, for buddies and brothers and, and father figures. For myself, I wouldn't necessarily, it was a, a sexual addiction. It was a connection addiction is what it was. So we, we take some time to help the client identify those activities he may have been left out from or felt left out so he can actually now in his life get those needs met by engaging some of those activities. So for some men that might look like going to the gym and doing things with the other boys when he had missed that experience. For some men that might look like going camping or for other men going on hiking trips or uh, learning how to, to hunt or to uh, do other mechanical activities that he may have wanted to do and just never felt like he knew how. And the more I did that, the more my self-esteem started to rise. I, I felt accepted. I would say for most men it's an ongoing process of healing, but they can often pick out uh, short defining points that are in incredibly encouraging to them. So points in time where they notice that the attractions have diminished or extinguished in their interaction with another man or a boy, where they might have felt attractions sexually very strong, suddenly become more of a friendship feeling. We were all standing there talking, all the guys, and I just looked up at him and just suddenly realized that that attraction was gone. And it was completely different now. And that I just admired him for the person that he was. And all the other feelings went away. I demystified them and thus desexualized them. And then I began to notice my sexual attraction to them was lessening. And because of this non-sexual bonding with men and my acceptance by them, my self-esteem began to rise. And I felt more secure in myself and my own masculinity. The big key of my turning point was feeling accepted by him and by those around me. And being in that environment where I was accepted as a guy and as a male, not, not as a homosexual. For me, there really wasn't any kind of define or aha moment. It's just everything slowly kept progressing. Small experiences here and there kept happening for me. So, Pastor Brock, after seeing the first half of this film, my first question for you is, did you choose to have this struggle? You know, when people say, well, I didn't choose to have same-sex attraction, I didn't either. So, I mean, I didn't wake up one day and say, I think I'll have this weird thing. <laughs> but, you know, Jackie, most of us don't choose our temptations in life. I don't think a kleptomania wakes up and says, I think I'll be a kleptomaniac, you know. And so we don't choose our temptations in life. Stuff happens in our sinful world and we get stuff. But we do choose what we do with those temptations. And nobody is forced to have homosexual sex unless they're being raped. So you, we, we might not choose our temptations in life. You know, if somebody's an alcoholic and you, you never chose to have, well, okay, I agree, but you do choose what you do with those temptations. So does someone ever totally get over same-sex attraction? You know, people are all over the board. I, you know, there, I talked to a lady once who was into the lesbian lifestyle for years. She said, I never have those desires anymore. On the other hand, you have Christians who've struggled with this for years and all the way to their grave they struggle with this temptation. So 
people are kind of all over the board on that question. Tom, this isn't one of the questions I was going to ask you, but it kind of popped into my head. What made you decide to share that you had this struggle? <laughs> well, we had an awful magazine in town, a, a gay magazine, that went into my support group, my confidentiality support group, to do a big story on me because I take a stand against gay marriage. And so that was... You know, the Lord moves in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. I never would have gone public with this unless I had to. And I think the Lord allowed that mess to get me to open my mouth about this struggle and say, look, I have this struggle too, but you don't have to act on it. Okay. But so, thanks for the question, Jack. <laughs> well, I think people need to know. <laughs> I know, you're right. Would and you have come you, forward, I, I no, guess, I don't think and so. shared that no, with your congregation? No, the Lord had to drag this coming out of me. But I will tell you, people can go to pastorstudy.org and watch the whole show we did just on that whole outing, if you right. would. Yeah. Pastor Brock, why shouldn't you just go with those feelings? So, I mean, after all, people say, doesn't God want you to be happy? Yeah. And obviously, you were happy. I'm, I, well, well, here's the thing. After that whole mess happened with that magazine, I was interviewed for a radio show by a liberal commentator. And he said, Pastor Brock, you know, you have these urges, desires. Why don't you just go with them? And I said to him, and I'm so glad I said it, I said, I'm glad I never went with it. I'd be dead. People, men my age who went for it, a lot of them are dead. So I praise God I didn't go for it. Okay, Pastor Brock, can a person have same-sex attra attraction and still be a true Christian? <laughs> I hope so, because that's my struggle. Uh, again, if I was living in homosexual behavior, uh, you know, living in it, no repentance, I don't think that's possible. People who say I'm gay and I have my, uh, my lover and I'm still a Christian, 1 Corinthians 6 says, don't be deceived. Do you not know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, etc. will go to heaven. So you can't live in it. Can you have that as a sin and even commit all kinds of sins and repent and come to Christ and be forgiven? Indeed you can, but you can't live in impenitent sin. So Pastor Brock, do you believe that this same-sex struggle is genetic and that people are born with it? I personally don't. Even if you could prove that, it doesn't change anything, because as Christians, we believe in what's called original sin. We're all born with sin. So if they find a gay gene, it doesn't change anything. It doesn't give you the license to practice the behavior. But Jackie, I don't think they'll ever find that, because I think this is nurture, not nature. In fact, a recent study of identical twins, if it is genetic, then if one twin's got it, the other twin's got it. That's not the finding of this study. So that is another big reason to, to say, this is not a genetic thing. I think it happens very early in life. The child does not bond with dad. So did it happen in your youth, do you You know think? what happened to me? My dad was a football coach. Uh, my brother got a football scholarship to the University of Nebraska. And then there was me, Jackie. And I wasn't effeminate as a kid, but I wasn't the rough and tumble into sports much of a kind of kid either. And what happened with me, just real quick, Dad and I never clicked, but my dad and my brother clicked. So I was jealous and I was hurt. And then, some, you know, I think there's a conspiracy of factors that can end up with this struggle. Twelve years old, Jackie, how much time we got? Twelve years old, Scott Fryer, my buddy, is supposed to meet me in downtown Omaha to go to a movie. 
So I show up, Scott Fryer doesn't. So I go into the theater myself. I'm 12 years old. I don't know what homosexuality is, because back then didn't get talked about. I really didn't know what it was. Some stranger comes and sits next to me, and he puts his hand on my knee. And I thought, what is going on here? And then slowly he makes his way up closer and closer and uh, before he touched me inappropriately. Well, he already was, but you know what I mean. I was scared and I got up and I went into the bathroom. He followed me into the bathroom. And I'm standing there at the urinal, scared to death. And this guy says, I didn't scare you down there, did I? And my exact words were, scared? I'm not scared. Why do you think I'm scared? I was petrified. But then I go home. My sister picks me up from the bus stop. And I tell her the story. And she laughs. And she says, now don't tell anybody that happened because those kind of guys only go after kids that they think want it. Well, that put a weird message in my brain. So it was a number of things, I think, that ended up. But, but the main thing is I never got a clear sense of my masculinity from my dad. He he, dad was a workaholic, and he should have spent more time helping me with this stuff, you know? Well, and it did, doesn't sound like you bonded with your brother with the same things either. <laughs> my and you and looked I, more towards your sister for advice. Yeah, I, you know, I had two older sisters, and I kind of looked to them. That's mm -hmm. true. Okay. Yeah. Well, you've been celibate, so what's helped you stay celibate? You know, I'll tell you, um, I've got my sins, but by the grace of God, I've never had sex, okay? And I've had good help along the way. And if anybody's watching this and you've got this struggle, just go to the Internet and Google Restored Hope Network, and you'll see a map on their website, Restored Hope Network, and you punch on Minnesota or California, wherever you're at, and it'll show you the various places in your state where they have groups for people with this struggle. Or if you're a Catholic, they have these Catholic groups all, uh, called Courage all over the country. If you're an evangelical, they'll go to Restored Hope Network. So, Pastor Brock, do you think that someone who has the same sex attraction can marry or should marry? Yeah. Well, I'm not going to say should. I'm going to say can. I talked to a guy this week. He's older than me, and he's married, and he's been married for years, has a couple of kids. And I said to him, and he's got the same sex attraction struggle. I said to him, do you have sexual desire for your wife? And he said, yes. So, you know, people are, can be kind of a mixed bag of confusion. So it just depends. I don't think you have to get married, but it, for some people it really helps. We may have to go on with this next time, but how do the liberal pastors get around the Bible verses that you were quoting yeah. about being um, wrong? They get, and, and they, first of all, it's brand new. The church for 2,000 years has read the Bible to say this is wrong. So this is a brand new thing that these liberal bishops and pastors are bringing into the church. And they're simply... Uh, going against scripture. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Okay, so this week you've seen part one. Next week we're going to be looking at part two of this, and I have some more questions for Pastor Brock to answer. But if you want to see either one of these shows, this show will be on our w website right after we get done today, pastorstudy, all one word, dot org, and you can see this or recommend it to someone else. God bless until we're together again next time. Thank you for watching The Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. Amen.